Jesus was taken from Caiaphas' house to the governor's palace. The Jewish authorities did not go inside the palace, for they wanted to keep themselves ritually clean in order to be able to eat the Passover meal. So Pilate went outside to them and asked, What do you accuse this man of? We would not have brought him to you if he had not committed a crime. Then you yourselves take him and try him according to your own law. We are not allowed to put anyone to death. This happened in order to make come true what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he would die. Pilate went back into the palace and called Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? Does this question come from you? Or have others told you about me? Do you think I'm a Jew? It was your own people and the chief priests who handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. No. My kingdom does not belong here. Are you a king then? You say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this one purpose. To speak about the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. And what is truth? Then Pilate went back outside to the people and said to them, I cannot find any reason to condemn him, but... According to the custom you have, I always set free a prisoner for you during the Passover. Do you want me to set free for you? The king of the Jews? They answered him with a shout. Barabbas was abandoned. Our text today is John 18, 28 through verse 40, which you have just seen dramatized. If you didn't bring your Bible, it is on that little insert in the bulletin, so you can follow along with us. They awaken Pilate early in the morning. What a rude awakening. They didn't have an appointment, so it was great disrespect. Pilate was grieved many times by these people. There had been riots, and he had been questioned by the Roman authorities that gave him the right to rule there. He was in danger of being transferred to some godforsaken territory or even to lose his job. So these people were a grief to his soul. 
and now they bring him this innocent man early in the morning. But they're very religious people. They don't want to enter his judgment hall, his praetorium, because there's graven images in there, and that would be unclean. Meanwhile, they're wanting to have an innocent man executed. Isn't that funny how religion is? It causes us to major on minors and minor on majors. Jesus told them one time, you guys strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. He said the ridiculous efforts you go to to hold the law, you know, a pain ties even of your salt and pepper, but not taking care of your, your parents in their old age. Straining at swallowing camels, here they are, not going in Pilate's judgment hall because they don't want to be made unclean. He has to come out to them, and they want to have an innocent man killed. So Pilate asked them, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered, if he were not an evildoer, we would have delivered him up to you. Now, they had already questioned him twice with Annas, the previous high priest, and Caiaphas, the current high priest. And their questions couldn't turn up with any evidence to accuse them. So they really had nothing. So they were bluffing. This would be like a police officer arresting you, hauling you before a judge, and the judge saying, what's his crime? And the officer saying, hey, if he didn't commit a crime, he wouldn't be here. Why are you questioning me? It was definitely a hoax, and Pilate was grieved by this whole affair. Verse 31, he said to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. They had already passed the judgment before he'd had a real trial. According to Roman law, they could not exercise capital punishment. The Romans prevented that. Verse 33, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, so he goes back in his oval office, as it were. He goes back in his governing chamber and calls Jesus into him. So Jesus, in their eyes, is now defiled by going in that place and asks him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, verse 34, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Now, he had preached the gospel of the kingdom, declaring that the kingdom of God is here, declaring that the kingdom of God is coming, and teaching what the kingdom of God was like, and allowing people to call him the son of David, recognizing his royalty. Pilate didn't know how to answer his question. He said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of or from or like this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now... My kingdom is not from here. Now, in the Christian faith, we believe the kingdom of God is in Jesus Christ. That wherever he's, his rule is submitted to, wherever he reigns, that is his kingdom. And we're to pray that his kingdom would come on earth and his will would be done like it is in heaven. So we're citizens of a kingdom that is and yet is coming. We're living in the now and the not yet, living between those two places. The kingdom is coming, and yet the kingdom is here in Christ. But it's not a kingdom that's like the world, where we fight against flesh and blood. Jesus had told his disciples a few hours earlier, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. 
So it's not about controlling territory like natural people would. It's a spiritual kingdom where He rules where people submit Him to. He conquers where people allow Him to. Pilate then answered him, Are you a king then? Are you a king? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would all hear your voice today. Lord, we thank you for the rain and the beautiful noise that it is. But I pray, Lord, even in the midst of the thunderous rain, that we would hear what you want us to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to speak extra loud today, and it's not because I'm mad at anybody, but because (laughs) we've got some blessings going on. Amen? So in the season of blessings going on. You say rightly that I am a king. The title today is Jesus is King. Can we say that? He is not a king. He is king. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is omnipotent, all-powerful ruler of the universe. The emperor over God's empire. He is awesome. He is a benevolent monarch. What's the most efficient government in the world? It's a benevolent monarchy. Put that kind of government in the hands of sinful man, it won't last for a generation before it becomes corrupt. It's the way it is. But Christ is incorruptible, amen? And His kingdom will not end. Jesus is King. Here's several things to demonstrate that. He is the King through God's promises. There's a lot of promises about His rule and His reign, His kingdom, throughout the Scriptures. Here's a couple of them. Psalm 89, 27 David messianically prophesies, I will make him my firstborn. Christ is God's only begotten Son, making him God's firstborn. I will make him my firstborn, the highest, can we say highest? The highest of the kings of the earth. We see this every Christmas, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it even forever. Now David was a king and he was also a prophet. And he was promised that through his lineage would come a king. He would have a son, through his lineage, he would have a son whose kingdom would not end. The next son to come in place was Solomon. Boy, did he have some problems. And then after that, the kingdom split. It wasn't fulfilled until generations later. Jesus, the son of David, came on the scene. The king had been born. He is king. When Gabriel visited Mary to tell her that she was chosen to have the Son of God, her response was, Be it unto me according to your word. And in that conversation, Gabriel said these words about her son. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. I sound like I'm John Hagee. Give him praise and glory. 
verse 33. And He will reign over the house of David forever. And of His kingdom there will be no end. Can we say no end? No end. There can come an end to our plans. There can come an end to our projects. There can come an end to our dreams. But His dream, His kingdom, His government will never end. It is increasing in the earth every time a new person submits to His will. His government increases in the earth every time we say yes to His will. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. He is king through royal genealogy. He's a descendant of 14 kings. He's a descendant of David, Solomon, who was the son of Bathsheba. Is that not awesome? Talk about a demonstration of God's grace through David and Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. David married her. They had a second child, and that child was Solomon, who became king. The next lineage was Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Joram, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Ammon, and Josiah. And then comes along the Babylonian captivities, and the nation of Israel was never the same since. Really, has never achieved the same height that it was in those days. But along came the Son of God, the Son of David, the descendant of 14 kings, Jesus Christ of the tribe of Judah. He is king through preeminence. Can we say preeminence? Colossians 1.18, speaking about Him, says He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have preeminence. He may be first. He's the first and the last. He's first. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the first. He's the firstborn Son of God. He's the first man to conquer death. He's first, and He rules and reigns in the earth. And if we line up with that, we'll allow Him to be first. Can we say Jesus first? He is King through His conquest. Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So the spiritual authorities of the earth were defeated by Him through His death, burial, and resurrection. And now through His name we've been granted authority to cast out demons. We don't go on devil hunts, but if a demon gets in our way, if an evil spirit seeks to harass us, we have authority to put a stop to that. That is never the will of God for us to have that going on. So we have authority delegated to us spiritually to put a stop to that. Now we do not have that same kind of authority when it comes to relating to one another. We cannot cast each other out or have control of each other. It's a free kingdom where He reigns and rules over His subjects. But when the opposing kingdoms get in the way, we can deal with it with great authority. Amen? He's king through His conquest. Right now it appears Putin is the leader of Crimea through conquest. Nobody stopped him. So through conquest, a king increases his territory. The territory of King Jesus increases through evangelism and discipleship. But one day, he's coming back with fire in his eyes, a mighty sword in his hand, many crowns on his head, riding on a white horse to conquer the nations. He is king through his conquest. 
He is king through divine right. God the Father gave him all authority. Can we say all authority? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He submitted to the Father's will, made the Father his ultimate authority even to the point of his death, and laying down his right to call legions of angels to set him free, conquered death for us, and has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 1 Corinthians 15 goes into a little more detail about this. It's a beautiful truth. He is king not just by conquest, but he is king by right. Putin may now be the leader of Crimea, but it's not by right. It's by occupation. It's by conquering, but not necessarily is it right. So Christ is really the only true king who has a kingdom that is forever, that is a righteous kingdom. And yet he's such a humble king. Can we declare the truth? Jesus is king. What does this mean to us? What's the point? How can we benefit from his kingdom or from his reign? I'm glad you asked. We benefit from his reign by becoming like a child. In Matthew 18 and in a couple other places, he talked about becoming as a children. As little kids, and this makes us part of His kingdom. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What is it about little kids? Little kids recognize that they're not the leader. They may want to be, but they know they're not. They will follow your lead because you can make them. You can make a child obey. You can't make an adult obey. You can make a child forgive, but you can't make a bitter person who's grown up forgive. You can make a child be friends with someone they don't care for and develop a friendship. They're pliable. They're humble. They respect greatness. They want to be like their heroes. But when we become adults, we want to be the hero. They may want to be Batman or a fireman or the president, but they recognize that they're not. When you become adults, our sinful flesh, we want to be those things. It's no longer a dream and we're angry because things aren't going our way. After all, we have authority. Must become like a little children. We benefit from His reign by being born again, Jesus told Nicodemus. Most assuredly, that means you can put this down somewhere where it's written permanently. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus asked him, how is this possible? He again said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is being born again? Being born again is becoming as a child. Recognize the need to start over. The need to surrender leadership and lordship over your own life. Becoming as a little child. We benefit from His reign by enduring hardship. Now this is a a brain teaser. This is a paradox. This is one where you want to say tilt. 2 Timothy 2.12 If we endure hardship, we will reign with Him. Now, We can look at this from two points. We can look at it from the viewpoint of the future. Those who persevere are promised places in the kingdom. 
those who overcome are promised victory in the future, reigning with Christ. But I believe even in the present, we can walk in the rule and reign of God, not allowing our circumstances to have lordship over us through enduring hardship. And we endure hardship by letting Him reign. Which brings us to my next point. We endure hardship best by letting Him reign. What is hardship? Hardship is disappointment. Maybe it's physical pain. Nobody wakes up in the morning planning to have physical pain that day. Maybe it's something that causes you emotional pain or causes you stress in some way. Whatever the reason is, you didn't plan on it. And you can't change it. It's out of your control. What do you do? You come to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm going to rest in you today. I'm going to give this scenario to you. I can't control it all. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to let you reign. If you can find a place to pray and just take a few minutes of giving it to Him, you'll rise up stronger at peace and you will be tasting the rule and reign of Christ that we look forward to in the future in the present. It's true. Here's somebody that needs to let him reign. Oh, it's too soon, man. I told you. I've got the baby to not started on this. He's finished. It won't be right. Do what I can, okay? Jesus Jesus Christ. Let me explain that video to you because it's so fast moving. The guy is stressed. A lot of things are coming at him. Things aren't going his way. And before you know it, he takes the Lord's name inappropriately and says, Jesus Christ. And then the film goes backwards, back to where it started. And he pauses before making the call and remembers the promise of Jesus Christ. Come to me, and I will give you rest. If he's preeminent, we have to come to him first. If you mess up and you find yourself in the mess, you feel like saying, Jesus Christ. You can pause there and say, Jesus, Jesus, you're king here. Reflecting on his promises brings peace to our hearts, and that peace makes us victorious. Circumstances may not change one iota at that point, but you're changed. Because you're changed, you won't make the circumstances worse. How many of you have ever cut off your nose to spite your face because you were mad? Just forget it! That's not what you planned on doing. We benefit from His reign by letting Him reign. Tell your neighbor, let's let him reign. Lord, we ask you would reign in every home. You'd reign in every heart. You'd reign in every career. You'd reign in every education endeavor, be it junior high, high school, college, online, offline. 
High line, low line, Lord, we pray that You would reign. We give You our plans today. You know, the Word says a man's mind plans his way, but God directs his steps. And it's when I don't allow Him to direct my steps, or I don't realize He's directing my steps, that I'm vulnerable to disappointment, stress, angry outbursts. A high school student from Glenrose attended church here back in the 90s. And she made this piece of art based on the chessboard. The king piece has checkmated and won the game. But the shadow of that piece isn't the crown, it's the cross. You see that? And to me that's symbolic of the Christian faith. We rule and reign through the cross. Pilate, the governor, thought he was speaking to someone under his authority. He tells Pilate, you wouldn't be able to do anything if the Father didn't grant it to you. Jesus was really the one in control here. His will was being done. You know, there was a custom that they had where one prisoner would be released as a sign of mercy and goodwill from the Roman government, would be released from jail during the Passover season. Not like what Dallas did the other day. They released over 600 prisoners out of the county jail by mistake. Now they're trying to find them. This was a legitimate legal deal. And the mob said, give us Barabbas. And in so doing, they committed a great crime, but they made a great illustration that Jesus took the place of a robber, a thief. He died on someone else's cross. He died as Barabbas. Are there any Barabbases here in the house? The Lord took our place. Took our place. So see, He's ruling and reigning in this story. He's come to die and push them with the truth and acts of love to the point they ended his life. And in so doing, fulfilling God's will to demonstrate man's wickedness and God's righteousness. Man's hatred, God's love. It was done through the cross. The instrument God used to hang between heaven and earth to repair the gap, to bridge the short between God and man. Jesus, the God-man, died in the place of Barabbas, a sinful man. Jesus is King. You want to give Him control? He's controlling things anyway. This doesn't mean we're supposed to be irresponsible. But in our attempts to be responsible, we have to be yielding. We have to be flexible. Because He's in control anyway.
He is God, and we are not. Amen? I have this print in my office. It was given to me at a time in my life when I hated my life. I was parking cars for a living at the Mansion Hotel on Turtle Creek in North Dallas, or north of downtown Dallas. And there is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, saying, Not my will, but thine be done. In the background are disciples achieving their will. They wanted to sleep, so they are. But there he is, once and for all time, setting the example for us. If God's will and reign are to exist, it must be submitted to, and our will must be laid down. The cross is a cross because the horizontal crosses the vertical. And our will is not all that pure by itself. You may be a good guy, but we are born with a thing called sin. We are not perfectly aligned with the purposes of God. We can do a lot of good stuff and great things that have impure motives. Our righteousness, as it were, the Bible says, are filthy rags. And that was written at a time when filthy rags were filthy rags because they didn't have toilet paper. His will must become our will. We used to sing a song as a boy, Not my will, but thine be done. Praise Jesus. May this same prayer be mine every day. Lord, we surrender to Your will today. Help us, Lord, to surrender everything to You. Our hopes, our dreams, our disappointments, our frustrations, our plans, our strategies. We surrender them to You and ask You, Lord, to make the way clear as to what we're to do. Lord, we recognize that You have a timing to everything. There's a time for everything. You have a will and a when and a how and a way and a why. Help us, Lord, to embrace all of these things. Lord, I give you the right to change your mind should you want to. Because I don't know what your mind is anyway. So when it looks like you change your mind, it's probably not that. It's just me coming to an awareness that what I thought was your mind wasn't at all. So Lord, we surrender to you today. To Jesus I surrender all to you I freely give I will ever love and trust Yeah.
early in the service, we sang 10,000 Reasons. And there's a line in that song that says, Whatever may pass or whatever lies before me, I'm going to praise you. Whatever is in the past, whatever is in the future. And I know the word whatever can be used like a smart aleck, whatever. And it can be used in an irresponsible way. Well, whatever, you know, fatalism kind of deal. But in reality, whatever means whatever. And if it's something you're facing that's like it shocks you, it floors you, it threatens you, it makes your knees go weak, it angers you, it frustrates you, it keeps you awake, it's one of those whatevers. And as believers, by His grace, we can remain faithful to Him whatever comes to pass and whatever comes before us. Why? Because we are people of faith. Amen? And we, we don't have our faith on our faith. We have our faith in the Master. We're people of the Master. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. Amen. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace, His direction, His guidance every day of your life. Peace that is not based on compromise, but peace that is based on absolute surrender to His will. And in so doing, may you understand His government's increasing. His government is increasing. His kingdom is expanding in your life and in mine. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Have a great day. May God's will reign supreme in your life like never before. So